She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. friends i was like yeah of course i do <laughs> actually that's good actually man. i didn't have that many friends i was gonna say, I was, I was gonna say I the other like, day you were saying not that much i don't, I don't have that many friends i, I think i had you know so I had you lied to your your name i didn't want to embarrass myself <laughs> not really i um, have two i have two my mom and my dad of course everyone <laughs> If you're creating, you're creating something new, which means you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, that's kind of the <laughs> you're making it up. The definition of creativity. Is yeah, you are up. making it up. The fact that you get you get stuck in the anger and that's kind of your energy that you're moving forward with rather than the love. But I, I had a teacher that said, I don't go to peace rallies. They're too dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Hey there. Today we have a special guest. His name is... Me? (laughs) 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 His name is Lou. That was a terrible introduction. That was terrible. That was great. Yes, so Lou, Lou Redmond, our good friend and partner in crime. You're going to get to know him as we get into this episode, and he's got a lot of great things to share, and a very interesting backstory, too. Mm -hmm. Today we talk about, well, the conversation starts with gifts and courage, and we go in every direction possible, which is great. We love, like, banters like that, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, everyone. And good morning, Alster. And good morning, Lou. Good morning, Lou. Good morning. <laughs> He's been practicing I've, how he I've should. I've been waiting so long for this. <laughs> oh, man, it's your moment to shine. All right, so quickly, this is pretty exciting. So another guest in the studio. In the We're studio. Like... Here in Guatemala. Flew in. Directly for this. Yes. He's flying out tomorrow morning. It's a morning. big money gig, so this yeah. made sense. No. Yeah. <laughs> we make so much did money you, off this did podcast. Did you tell him we, we were going to pay him? Because we don't have any money. Yeah, I said $2,000. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Plus flight. Sponsors. <laughs> yeah, Lou's, Lou's a big deal. Yeah, he is. He is. So Lou is a close friend of mine first. Mm-hmm. I found him first, Julie Roxanne. You did, and you did. That was like six or seven years ago. He is, if you listen to our, I think it's going to come out before this, our other episode with Kelly Marjaram, where we talk about the power of gathering. Mm-hmm. Well, Lou is Kelly's partner. Yeah. I think at least that's, is that what I like that yourself? term. Yes. Uh, yes. 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 <laughs> yeah, I like that term. He said very proudly. Uh, and we met back in San Diego uh, about six or seven years ago in a mastermind group. Actually, the same one we talked about on that Yeah, I was going to say, if you don't know what mastermind group Alistair's talking about, then you're not listening to all of our episodes, and I'm upset at you. Yeah, go back. Don't don't pass go. Don't <laughs> park tune. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to all 61 now? This is like 64. This is 65. 65. It's hard to keep track. We have so many. Oh my God. We're so successful. That is impressive. 
I have more podcasts than money. Yes. <laughs> wow. I uh, know that hurts, right? Unless it's in Kinsalas, then I, then I have plenty of Kinsalas. Yeah, but anyway. We're rich here. So we met Lou back then. Lou went through an amazing transformation. Uh, we're only going to touch on that story. I don't think we're really going to go into it because he shared it in many other places. One of them is your book, which uh, I think is great and is really raw and real. It's called Find Your Truth. We'll link to that in the show notes at thefaroffpodcast.com. You can hear a really abbreviated version of his story on our last episode because we actually ended up talking about you uh, without Just you here. a little here. bit, yeah. That's um, what we do. And yeah. he also did a great interview with our friend Leticia Latino on her podcast, Back to Basics. So we'll link that as well. But Lou's a pretty impressive person, and I've got a front row seat to his transformation, and it's been uh, a lot of fun to watch. Because you met him before it happened, right? Yeah, or like just as it started, I would say, right? probably. What would you say? It was at the, yeah, the Crux, right? It was my first couple meetings in that group. I think uh, when we, I met you, the first time I met you, which is very interesting, I think, because your listeners have have listened to this. The first time I met you was hearing your ayahuasca story. (laughs) Just back from Peru. Oh my God. Who the heck is this guy? This guy is wild, man. This guy is crazy. That was was like my spiritual awakening. It was like a life-changing moment. It took me years to make sense of that. And I remember I did share it with that group one time. I haven't even shared it. No, it's been on the backlog. Sorry, sorry, everyone. Whoa. (laughs) No, he mentioned it. It's been on the backlog to record an episode about the iOS. It will be coming up. It's just like one of those really important moments in your life and so you're very i i don't actually share that story very often because it's so powerful and important he only shared it with me once you're waiting till a million downloads right yeah i think we'll be waiting for a little bit of time (laughs) get us to a hundred reviews you give us a hundred years the ayahuasca story (laughs) anyway um so that was about six or seven years ago. Lou's gone on quite a journey since, and now he's in Guatemala with us, which is great. And he's actually one of the leaders, the co-leaders of Ripple Out Retreats. Yeah. He uh, he came with us to Yosemite last year, and Lou is also a a mindfulness leader. I would say a mindfulness teacher. Uh, he's an author. Lou, do you want to add anything to this? Because I'm probably doing a poor job. I like to see myself more so recently as a friend on the path. And I think if people are listening to this, they're somewhat interested in, in what that means of mm-hmm. living a different lifestyle of, of becoming the best version of ourselves. And I just see myself, what I'm doing as an expression of that. And what I've learned in the past couple of years is that we're all kind of on this journey. We all have, as we'll talk about today, we all have those gifts to share with each other. Mm-hmm. And so I do my best. It was so hard, I think, after leaving a corporate job to not know the answer to what do you do? Mm, yeah. Who, what are you? Yeah. And it's like, uh, I uh, I just left a corporate job. I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. And <laughs> and so I've always that question and trying to answer like, well, what am I? Well, I teach meditation. I, I speak. I have a, a business that goes into schools and teaches mindfulness to kids. And, and all that has come. But for a while, it's like, you know, we wrap ourselves in these identities, but I think we're just all, as Ram Das, uh, the late and great, would say, we're all just walking each other home. So mm. in our own sense, we're, and I think we'll get into this today, of the gifts that we have to share is is comforting and supporting all of us on, on our journey towards, I guess you can say happiness in a way, but we're just, I think it's more like growth and meaning and purpose. Yeah. 
No, I That's love well that. I feel, like, uh, I feel like you've spent a lot of time thinking about this. I'm like, damn, I don't have a cool introduction yeah. like that. I was like, shit, I got to rewrite my I've whole thing. Honestly, honestly, I did not think about that at all. You should make that your uh, Gmail signature. That literally, send you that clip. Yeah, you please, I need to listen to that. I, that was totally on the cuff. That's awesome. That so, Lou's an impressive person. I have to say, I'm just going to highlight this for a second, that... I think the work that you're doing around bringing this to schools and the way you're bringing mindfulness into schools and, and speaking at assemblies and for like kind of teachers groups is really, really impressive. Um, and I've admired that about you a lot. Mm, yeah. I'd like to apologize to your listeners today if I have to sniffle and blow my nose as something in Gu- Guatemalan air has yeah. me congested. Lou is allergic to Guatemala. We think that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think there's a lot of things we could talk about with you, Lou, but one that seems to be particularly coming up in my mind, at least lately, and I think would be interesting to talk with you about is giving because... Actually, this is one of my intentions for 2020 is to give. And I think that is actually a little bit more complicated than it sounds uh, and a little bit more difficult than it sounds at times. But one of the things I've realized in these kind of lives, I think we're all living, if I can call them far out, I would definitely put you under that bracket, Lou, of of living a far out life. And then what I mean by that is that you're living a life that is your own and uh, is kind of self-directed. And I think something we realize as we go on this on this journey is the importance of learning how to give, uh, learning how to receive too, definitely, but and 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 but the power of giving in it. And uh, so, I think I'd like to bring that up with you because I've seen and I know this has been something that you've been working on quite a bit. Um, and maybe the best way to get into it is to talk a little bit about you on Insight Timer. Um, because that is a place where you give quite a lot and have been for for years. Yeah, so I don't know how I found Insight Timer. It was in 2016, and I was not really teaching meditation. I think I would have my friends come together sometimes, and we just had them. uh, I would have do meditations with them. And, And to backtrack on this, I think this is a story worth listening to, because sometimes when we have an inspiration to want to do something with our life, I want to be a writer, I want to be, I want to start a podcast. And then our initial first step is usually what do I need to do to get my certification, right? What training do I need to go? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's great. I'm not saying no trainings, no certifications are, they're all worthless. I'm not saying that at all. But I remember asking my yoga teacher at the time, uh, explaining that I wanted to start teaching meditation. I started going to my yoga teacher and asking her if, how to teach meditation, what training should I go to? And she said, do you have any friends? And I was like, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> Actually, That's good, actually man. I didn't have that many friends. I was going to say, I just, I was gonna say I just, the other like, day you were saying not that I much. I don't have that many friends. I, I think I had, you know, so you lied to your yoga teacher. I kind of lied. I didn't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> not really. I have um, two. I have two. My mom and my dad, of course. Everyone. Uh, so she was just saying, well, do you meditate? I was like, yeah, of course. So this is what I, I love to do. It's literally my favorite thing to do. I just feel so good when I do it. And she's, well, why don't you just get some people and share with them whatever you do with yourself and just guide them through that. I was like, Oh wow. So she gave me the permission. And Mm. that's a big thing. As we talk about how do we step into courage? How do we give our gifts? It's first, everything comes down to just giving ourselves the permission Mm. because we are trained 
from when we start school to always be asking for permission. We raise our hand. Can I go to the bathroom? Right? We, we send our, our, our transcripts out to colleges to, to see or our applications out to colleges and to get permission to go to their school. So we're mm. always on this permission. We get our job. Do I have permission to work on this project? Do I have permission to to take a break? Do I have permission yeah. to go on vacation? Do I have permission to go to pee? I hated doing that <laughs> in school. It's like, fuck you, man. This is, let, let me just go to pee. I'm not, you know, like I hated that. So just giving myself, her giving me the permission to give myself the permission to start was so crucial. So I just started, I would, I remember reaching out to that group Junto and asking people if they wanted to get together and we'll, I'll do a little meditation with them. And a couple of people did it. And I just started getting some experience doing that. And then I, for some reason, decided to buy a recording thing, just like what the one we're recording on, yeah. recording uh, tools. And I made a, a couple meditations I don't know why or the inspiration. It kind of just happened. And I found this thing inside timer and I put a meditation on there. I remember the first time seeing wow, the meditation uploaded and then seeing that it got like 2000 plays the first day. And I was like, Where, what is this thing? And That's crazy. I didn't know that. It was crazy. I was like, oh my goodness, what, what, what did I just find? And slowly as the years went on, I continued to start putting more meditations and, and there was no money coming in that they weren't making any money. It was a free meditation app. So it was just me giving and creating meditations. And then a couple of years ago, I got the okay to start doing a meditation every single week. So similar to how you're doing your podcast, mm -hmm. I was creating a new meditation normally based on a theme or whatever came to me at the time. They were very inspired, but I just kept showing up and creating a community around that just by giving, just by giving meditations each week and I love doing it it was like there's I was so grateful to be able to connect with people to be able to share something that really has helped me or transform my life and share it with other people and in that process I've just started this past year to really or 2019 to really start receiving back mm -hmm. some of the fruits of giving for so long And you're at a point where, I mean, I, I haven't looked at your profile and Insight Timer, but you have hundreds of thousands of plays at this point. Yeah. And now you're at a point where you're being financially uh, rewarded by Insight Timer. And you're also, uh, I think you're also starting to build a community around your meditations. And so like a lot of it is coming back and it would be easy to look at you now and be like, oh, like just to forget the fact, I mean, yeah. I knew when you're going through that other stuff, but to forget the fact that you started not knowing what the hell you're doing and uh, it was this journey and you've been consistently giving for years yeah and now it's starting to come back in pretty like pretty great ways for you i kind of wanted to ask you actually as you were mentioning this how did you how did you keep giving consistently because i feel like it's easy sometimes to get defeated and just think that i don't know either feeling like maybe you're leaking out something and you're not getting getting anything back I, i want i would like you to speak on like how does it feel like to give consistently for so many years not knowing what's going to come out of it i think when it's something that's really aligned with your heart and something that you really enjoy doing that it never felt like uh, when am I going to get something yeah. from this? It was never like that. I think I was just so grateful to finally be able to share with people, especially at a time in my life where I still was very unsure on how I was actually going to financially support myself. It it's taken me 
five years, last year was the first year I could say that with the things I'm doing at Insight Timer and in schools, I was able to fully support myself. But that's taken a while. Mm-hmm. So when I started on Insight Timer, I wasn't supporting myself. And I wasn't really connecting with that many people and just the ability to connect with people and hear their comments and be able to to comment with people like that was just giving me so much energy mm. that I knew that something good was here. And that's all I needed. Like, I didn't care. I knew there was a long term game, as I've always believed it to be anyway. Yeah, I think you and you also said something that I was going to point out here is that. When you start giving, you start receiving immediately. You may not be receiving financially or you might not be receiving status or, or whatever, but and this has been my experience with the podcast is just showing up in every week and learn and, and trying to give this podcast to, to other people. We have received so much in, in return. And a lot of that comes in, in different ways and like helping us recognize what our gifts are and what we're able to do. And so I feel like there's this like kind of paradoxical thing with uh, with giving where especially when you're in one of these lines of work where you're really trying where like we're I think we're all really working hard to give our gift is that you have to give to kind of receive your gift it's like mm. they, they they go hand in hand you can't I, I don't know you can't really separate them from each other yeah I agree with that and it's funny that you just said this because it's like in my head I was like Oh, yeah, that's true. We give the podcast every week. It's like, it's so natural. And it's so I get so much joy out of doing it. And there, it's kind of so normalized in my life that I don't, I don't even think about it as giving anymore. It's just like, it's something I do, you it, know, it makes me think of the Joseph Campbell quote, I don't know what the quote is, but the sentiment of like, I, I remember listening, it was either him or Alan Watts, probably both of them, actually, versions of this, but I was listening to a lecture or something on them with them. And someone asked, like, you know, how about what to do for work and finding a purpose and stuff like this. And he's like, well, just go start doing the thing you love and keep doing that. And mm. you will find a way if you, you will get good enough at it, you will be passionate enough at it. You find a way to make a living at it. And I think, okay, yeah, it's oversimplified, but I think at the heart of it, there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, if, if you can stick to it and you can be persistent, you will find, you can find ways because I think what you're doing is you're, you're not only perfecting maybe that outward craft, but you are discovering what you can personally give to it. Like yeah. what you personally, how your story, how your skills intersect and, and how you can create something with it, right? I think you're also opening doors that you don't see yet. Like you could start doing something you love and it opens a door to be this next thing. For example, I really felt inspired to also do public speaking. And I originally actually before public speaking, I thought I was going to be a life coach, even though I just quit my job. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to tell people how to quit their job, even though I have no idea what I'm doing right now. (laughs) I I was like, well, maybe, maybe that's not the time for that yet. And I, but but I was, but but I was following, I, I love this. I believe in this. You might, you guys might have a little different view on this, but I believe in following a breadcrumb trail of excitement. Mm-hmm. So those little perks in our being that makes us excited. And at first it was that life coach. So this is a crazy synchronistic story. I had looked for a creative life coach. I felt like I wanted to help creatives do their work and, and do better at whatever they're doing. Yeah. The only creative life coach I can find was in San Diego. So I go on Facebook and I go, oh my gosh, I have a mutual friend with this person. I reach out to that friend and he goes, oh, 
this person is in my Toastmasters group. You should come. I can introduce you to her. And I was like, oh, sure. I've been wanting to check out Toastmasters. Definitely. What is that? It's like a public speaking kind of group. Okay. Okay. Got it. So I went to this meeting and it was just an amazing group of people. There was so much energy. People were speaking and I was like, oh yeah, this, this sounds fun. And I didn't even get introduced to that woman there, but I kept coming back to this meeting. And I remember after the first time giving my first inspirational talk at that meeting, afterwards I got pulled by who had, they give you a mentor. So I got pulled aside by the mentor that they gave me and he goes, Lou, do you want to be an inspirational speaker? And I was like, oh, I never thought about that. Is that a thing? I was going to say, is that a thing? (laughs) And I remember I went home that day and I was crying. Like I was crying. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I found something that I was meant to do. The thought, but how I got there was by following that excitement of life coach, right? Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't coaching, but it got me to go to Toastmasters. So whatever that is that we love to do, we might have this idea that it's going to be this thing. But by moving towards that thing, it opens the door to, oh, this is actually where I was being led. But our action, we have to move through. We have to meet. I always like to say we have to meet God halfway. So we have to take that step forward and then we're shown the next steps. Yeah. The meet God halfway thing, I think that comes up a lot. Like in ayahuasca, it's the same. You have to meet ayahuasca halfway. You Mm -hmm. have to meet the universe halfway. There's a lot of work you have to do. There's an active step. And then there's like kind of a a part you don't have control of. And I love the breadcrumb thing. I tend to equate this personally with following your intuition and learning how to listen to that that inner, I I kind of call it follow the flutter, that Mm -hmm. inner feeling that's just kind of pulling you towards something. I don't know if you've ever seen Donnie Darko. Uh, oh yeah in donnie darko there's a there's a scene at the near the end of the movie where donnie darko is trying to realize his powers in the multiverse or that he's in or whatever and you can start seeing something coming from people's chests it's like this like kind of invisible amorphous kind of liquid that's coming out of their chest and like he can see where they're going to walk because it's in front of them i almost can imagine it like kind of like that it's not that obvious but it's like (laughs) There is kind of a thread. It's like it's kind of like Ariadne's. Uh, is it Ariadne's thread or the the Ari- thread in Ariana, the labyrinth? Uh, yeah, thread. like following the following that thread. I definitely think that that's an experience true to me too. Yeah. So I think there's another big piece of this, like giving and finding your gifts and what you have to give, which is courage. And I think the best way that does that is showing up for me is that. In order for me to find my gifts, I had to go and spend a lot of time with my shadow. And like, I think we, to some extent, we all have. Like, it's just, this is the, I feel like this is kind of the doorway into tapping into how you can channel some of your gifts and what you're supposed to do. Because a lot of the time, and I actually went on a, I'm doing a, a kind of mastermind course learning thing right now. And on the first call, the woman who's leading it was telling us like, a good way to think about what you care about and you don't ha- we don't have to like think this is the only way but i thought it was it was interesting a good way to think about what you care about is just thinking about what makes you angry because then it's like a, you can kind of come on the other side There's and, energy re- there. yeah, and realize like, okay, if you're not angry about some things because you don't care, right? Like it's like to some extent anger is the other side of love. And if we don't have like that, that uh, energy into it, we can't really imbue it with it. I'll just 
I'll just disagree soft for a moment there on the anger is the other side of love. I actually think anger is probably not the other side of love. It's actually closer to love than we think. I would say that ambivalence, not caring at all, would mm. be the opposite of love. Yeah, and I think I didn't mean the opposite. I just meant what's on the other side of this, the coin. Ah. Like love and anger are the same coin, and it's just one, mm -hmm. there's the mm -hmm. other side. That's what I meant. Mm -hmm. One thing you're saying that like, brings up to my mind is like an archaeological dig, right? Yeah. Like we all have to kind of dig in on our, our own personalities and our, our own psyches. And like, that's really painful work. You're under the sun. I, I don't know. You, you were actually an archaeological student. I was. For a while. I did. And I, I did had, dig back in uh, 2009. And I had, <laughs> I, had <laughs> I had dreams of dinosaurs when I was a kid. And I think that's why everyone probably starts in archaeology. It's like, oh, I'm going to find dinosaur bones. <laughs> and like, no, you're going to get fragments of pottery. And most of them are going to be like not very interesting. And you're going to spend most of your time so in the hot sun in a dusty place digging holes in the ground and then meticulously brushing little pieces of fragments and trying to piece it together and then wheelbarrowing dirt out. And so that's it's like, the most, that's what you do the most. It's wheelbarrowing dirt. And I, and I think that goes to finding your gift. You're doing all this digging and it's like a mixture of like really hard, thankless work and then really detailed like brushing and sifting mm. every so often. And, and once in a while you find a gem or you find, you know, that piece of whatever that starts that piece of the puzzle that puts things together and explains something about a culture that you never would have known. Like you have these major discoveries, but there's a lot of work to get to that point. And I think we're to some degree, we all have to do that dig. We have to dig and find where our gifts lie. And like you said, a lot of times, Joseph Campbell has a, uh, a quote around this, around uh, your treasure lies in the cave you fear to enter. We're think, just going to say that quote. <laughs> well, <that's just, laughs> you guys. Well, I find it interesting that you used anger. I feel like I've heard that before. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it for me. I think mm -hmm. for some people, maybe that is how they find their gifts is the things that they're angry at. I can think of maybe activists that you know yeah. are really passionate about something that's happening in the world that they don't they see as as being wrong and they're using their gifts to shine light into that i think that might be some of the case for me if i think about how i found my gifts and how, or how my gifts have sort of come out of me i think you talk about this alistair a lot of we don't really find it we cultivate it we listen to it and we explore it and it's more of this natural unraveling process it sort of grows It grows from out of us 100%. And it, it's almost like you you don't even realize that you have it. And you're like, oh, wow, this is a gift. Oh, oh. Like, it's not this big, aha, This I found my gift and now I'm going to share it with yeah, you. Yeah, that's true. But it's like, oh, wow, I do have something here. This Everyone doesn't do this. I, yes. I do something differently. And we talked about this a little bit, that we think that we live in this world. We live in such a small bubble where we don't believe in ourselves because we feel like everyone else can do that. Oh, everyone mm -hmm. else can do just like that. And a lot of times we don't have the reinforcement, the social reinforcement to, to support us in moving forward and saying that we probably have a lot more skill or passion or love for the thing that we're doing that we give ourselves credit for. Side note, back to the anger for me it's always just been fear like mm. fear like listening to my fear and understanding that the shadow work for me for many cases has been public speaking because it's it's brought up so much insecurity so much fear that i've had to see and work with and uh, 
transform. And I think a lot of the journey is going to bring up insecurities and feelings of worthlessness. It's so prevalent in this work. And this is coming into the imposter syndrome that we talked about, where we just don't feel worthy to do the things that we're doing. Before you get there, I just want to put a side note. I think I can unify these two perspectives, which is that underneath it, there is strong energy, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it be fear or anger or particular, it could be a different one. But I think if you notice where you're feeling that strong energy and you put your attention there, you're often going to find things that are important or significant. Yeah, and I think I actually, I see, I like the bringing up the activist example, because I think like, for me, that's an example, or it often can be of, you've identified where you're like, what you're angry at, you've identified where you would like to have an impact, but you get stuck in the anger, you know, and I think that is, at the end of the day, I really think that this is not the way to move forward it's like it's great to know what you're up against but if you don't look at what you want to do or the positive that you want to create you're just finding something and so you're not bringing in the energy to something positive going forward changing you know it's like i I think this is really important and same with the fear you can get stuck in the fear they're they're signposts but they're pointing to something else yes yes funny note on on this and the activists being the fact that you get you get stuck in the anger and that's kind of your energy that you're moving forward with rather than the love. Mm-hmm. But I, I had a teacher that said, I don't go to peace rallies. They're too dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a fine line. It's a really fine line to walk. It's like, how do I stay connected with what makes me angry without falling into the, oh, I'm so angry right, that, I can't, right. that I'm not being heard. I can't communicate with, with the other side. So take us into imposter syndrome, because I definitely think this is this this often shows up when we're trying to give our gifts. I want to I love this definition and I'm going to butcher it. So Amanda Palmer, if you're listening to this, uh, I'm sorry. Amanda, if you're listening to this, (laughs) just send us something. We love you. Uh, But Amanda Palmer's book. The Art of Asking. Yeah, I, believe it is. I, I think, think so. You two have mentioned it. I know you've listened to it before. She's a phenomenal storyteller. So listen to that. Listen to that audiobook. She's great. And she talks about she talks about imposter syndrome as the fraud police, and she explains the fraud police as this real group of grown-ups that at some point are going to show up at your house and bang down the door open it up and say we found you yes. <laughs> we found you and we have proof that you have no idea what you're doing <laughs> that you are a complete fraud that you are guilty of making shit up and then we are taking away everything that is so true and i heard that i was like we we, we attach this huge this like this big brother energy to this feeling of someone else knows someone else knows and they know that we don't know and then they're gonna come and find us and tell us that and cut out any ability for us to move and they're gonna drag us like down the street and everyone's gonna throw tomatoes at us and then we're gonna get lynched or something (laughs) (laughs) that's how it internally feels and and anything that we're starting to do. And I think it's an easy 
to, I'm sure maybe you felt it in writing. I know I felt it in teaching meditation. I, we feel it in all different things. Yeah. A lot of times when we're beginning, we have enthusiasm as the beginner's mindset and we start off, okay, yeah, this is new. This is exciting. And then we start doing it a little bit and we're like, wow, I don't really know what I'm doing. And then we get a little afraid of like, oh my gosh, who am I to be doing this? Like, look at all these other people out there. They're so much more credible. They're so much better than I am. And we get in this feeling that we're, we're frauds. And I always, I've, what I've realized is how prevalent this is, even at the level where I had a yoga teacher who's like a couple of years older than me. She, I found out she was having this experience and I was like, oh my gosh, in my eyes, you are like, mm. you are it. Yeah. You are it. And that to hear that you're having this is just like, wow. It's so incredible how much we map our own inner authority onto other people. Because I feel like it's so easy. We can just find someone like a couple of years, a couple of years down the line and just think like, They've got it figured out, you know. It's like they know. And you'll always find that person a couple a couple steps further. Yes. There's always going to be that person. So if you get into that comparison mindset, uh, that always I mean, if, if this is a mindset and you can always find someone else. Yeah. If you get to that person, then you'll just look a little further, right? Yeah. And I think and I think coming back to something else you said is like it, it kind of really uh illustrated the difference in mindsets like there's for, and this has been true to my experience is that when I go into comparison, when I'm starting to compare what I'm doing to other people, well, first off, I'm not really focused on my gift. I'm focused on other people and what they're doing. And often we don't really even get a good picture of that. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so the attention's gone from, from what I can give. And I think that's a good question to kind of bring myself back to is like, okay, what can I give in this moment? Yeah. What can I give in this situation? What do I have? The, and these are, I think ultimately creative questions is how do I use what I have available to make something new? And when, and, and you said the beginner's mindset is a very creative place because in the beginner's mindset, you, you're a beginner and, and, and that's a very creative place to be. But if you're creating, you're creating something new, which means you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, that's kind of the you're essence. making it up. The definition of creativity. Is yeah, you are up. making it up. Exactly. I feel like when you said this, this like you have no idea what you're doing. In my head, say, I think if I have no idea what I'm doing, then at least I'm on the right track. You know, it's like if it's when I start to think that I know, I've I've stopped growing. You know, and I've stopped like getting out of my of what I know how to do. And, and I think like to give some context, right, because this could be misinterpreted too, which is like, okay, if you're going to, you, you're, let's say you're going to be a coach, because that's something I know. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you go in and you don't know anything, right? Like you just say, hey, I'm a coach and oh, I don't need to know anything. Beginner's mindset. Here we go. Yeah. Like it doesn't mean that, but it does mean that if I'm doing it well, I'm usually half terrified or not. It doesn't have to be terrified, but like, I don't know what's going to show up. And I have to be, if I'm not open to that, then the creative juice, the magic often doesn't happen. Yeah. And that's I, I, and that's I think, the thing right there is the, fear, the little nervousness, the fear. Maybe there's some imposter syndrome in there. The fact that we feel, if you feel like, who am I to be doing this? If you're feeling that, that fear or nervousness, whatever it may be, how it shows up in your life. The fact that you feel that is a sign of how much you care. Because yeah. if you did not care about what you were doing, then you wouldn't feel that because you wouldn't be nervous at you know, doing a good job. And, and we can see that and we can just send different energy towards it and say, wow, look, I, I'm so happy that I care so much. Like, I, I love myself that I'm feeling this because I know that I am dancing with my fears, that I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm acting with courage and I'm living 
uh, living on that edge. And, yeah. and you two, I know, are, are big Seth Godin fans as well. And he'll always talk about dancing with our fear. And then every day we wake up, especially in this lifestyle, it's it's, it's you're constantly bombarded with yeah. with with fears and unknown. And it's a dance because they're not going to go away. No. Yeah. It's just different levels of it. And and if you're not willing to feel it, you're not going to be present to this situation, this moment. And that's where creative creativity happens, right? Yeah. It happens with that presence. And if we're not willing to, to feel the other things that come with that, we often, uh, we're not going to be as creative. Yeah. And I think th this is a good place to mention, like, I think the imposter syndrome and the fear can can definitely be a lot more crippling at times when you consider that we're all to some extent working with people and there's like a sense of responsibility that comes from that because when people hire us or put their trust in us to do a certain task or to help them on a in a certain way there's a sense of responsibility and I think what you said earlier about like you know that it's good to have some fear and nervousness because that that shows that you care I found myself, I find myself also struggling with dancing with that concept because I don't always know if it has to be this way because I like in my work more and more, I try to step into a place where I trust that other people are fully responsible for the choices they're making in their lives and what they're deciding to do. And I find myself, and that's, I know that this is a thing I'm working on, where I find myself just constantly thinking that I'm more responsible than I am. It's like I have responsibility over their well-being or their mental health or whatever. And I think like it's a tough balance between having that healthy thing in mind. Like, okay, I am working with something really tender and and I want to be mindful of that. But then on the other end, posing myself as like this all-knowing hero who's going to be responsible for their well-being. Because I find that a lot in the coaching and therapy realm, like a lot. Maybe one way to like maybe... Uh, keep circling around this as well. Is there something you want to say on this? I, I really like this point that you're making because I think at a certain point, I think it, the fear gets you in the door. At a certain point, I think what, what coming to mind as you're saying this is you become a professional and you realize where your energy is best served. Mm -hmm. So I'm just in thinking in my work now, sometimes when I don't feel that nervousness or that fear, I'm like, oh my gosh, something wrong. Like, oh, is, is something wrong? Am I going to, am I going to mess up? Yeah. When I realize it's just me becoming more equipped to do what I'm doing. And then that's, oh, that's good. Right. Yeah. That's good. So yeah. I feel like that's you coming more realization that I don't have responsibility for everyone's feelings and I can't make everyone happy. I can just do my best and I'm going to do that and not take on the world of energy. Yeah. I, I love that. And I find that it can be hard when doing my best for so much of my life has meant being like nervous like feeling for the other person right. because that's how I did my best and I'm really trying to step out of this because I want to believe and I want to trust that people can deal with their own feelings on their own I don't have to feel it for them you know like that's that's really disempowering if you think about it I want to attack fear from a different angle too because I think this is involved this is some of the fear of giving too which is this fear of rejection, mm. right? Which I think if you trace it back, it's like, okay, there's there's a fear that someone is not going to appreciate the gift, not going to even recognize it or may actively reject it, yeah. right? Like these are all fears that we have to work with. And I think maybe even deeper than that, it's the fear that we are going to be, our gift is going to be rejected. This thing that we think is valuable, that we want to give, 
that that is going to be not recognized, not valued or rejected. And I think that is part of the courage of giving is we find these things in us and we first have to have the courage and the faith that these things are of value and that they, that others may value them as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we have to put them in the world. And so often, especially in the beginning, but I think always through that creative journey, it is not reciprocated. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is a great point because then it really, when you find yourself triggered by the fact that your gift wasn't received in, in a certain way, I find that for me, that's a red flag of like, oh, I wasn't giving from the right space. Because I was expecting it to be received or I was expecting it to make a change. It's, I think it's normal. I think like we can't hide the fact that we have an ego and we're trying to make some, some sort of change and we're caring and all that. But it's like if you really think more on a spiritual plane, those gifts are you're kind of a channel. They never really belong to you. And you're not they're not supposed. It's like if you think that they're you and that what you're doing is going to have once again, that hero positioning that I find myself in so much of the time. It's like, I'm going to do this because it's going to do this. And then it doesn't do this. And I get really like, oh, reality didn't meet my expectations, you know, and then it just it doesn't matter. I put it out. That's the biggest part is like I kept opening the channel to put it out. And then if I keep continue to do that, one day it's going to reach the right person and do the right thing. Well, that's the biggest that you mentioned it right there of, of it's not yours. And I think for me, that has helped me get over the fact of just doing it and, and almost like giving it up to, to, I use God, you can use, you, you know, whatever you use for something that you can't explain. I say, like, Hey, this is on you. I'm going to put this out there. You know, you, you don't take credit. You try not to take so much credit for it. If it yeah. fails, you try not to take so much failure for it and just realize that, hey, I'm just doing my job here. And, and it's more your action of courage in the long run that's going to be benefit to you, whatever happens to that thing that you're giving at the time. Like you're, yeah. you're strengthening these muscles because we're, you know, young 30s elderly 20 elderly 20s <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that I love that oh, elderly that's... 20s and young 30s <laughs> right the, you know this is a we, these are lifelong muscles that I think that we're strengthening that we all don't see and I know some of the times the the fears that I know Alistair might have for the future you guys talked about that episode yeah. on work yeah where you're like I don't know if we're gonna do this our whole life and I that was a trigger for me because I see like what we're this training that we're in right now we don't see how valuable that training is 10 years from now like mm. we don't see the gifts that we'll we'll have to share and the reciprocation of that if we stay in the game right and yeah. if we don't allow that like oh my gosh uh how long is this going to last? Am I going to do this forever? Uh, and just realize that it is a long-term game. And that's how I look at it. And I think has helped me um, not get super down when I make a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally agree with you. And I definitely think that some of the things that I was working on when I was 22 are blossoming now. And that's mm. a really long game. Yeah. And, and uh, I'd like to come back to this because I think, this is interesting what you're saying, and maybe I'll just say it in a slightly different way, because I think it's really important. It's like, there's two aspects to this is one, when you start to give and when you start really working on this muscle as an artist or as a creative of some sort, right? And if you're giving, you're being creative. Yeah. And so I think let's just, let's just X nay that myth that we're not creative. If you give, you are being creative. So you are creating yeah. something. If you're alive, you're being creative. That's but, just. That's also true. Yeah. And, and maybe some of us have more of a creative muscle than others, but I think there's definitely, we all have our different ways of giving and we can all be creative in different ways. 
uh, and there's no monopoly on that. Um, but as you start to do this, like you, you two are pointing out, and I think it's really great to point this out, is one, you realize that what you're giving is not coming from you in a way. It has also been given or it is flowing through you, right? This is the feeling of the muse in writing, or, uh, but it can come in the spirit or whatever it is that comes in and, and is actually what you are also giving. So there's also a feeling that, it, like you said, it was never yours. Then there is also the challenge of not owning it or claiming it at some point and letting it go. And this is what you were talking about. And I feel like what what's very hard is like, and it's, and it's so wrapped up in identity in weird ways because, okay, maybe it's ego and identity because there's the ego of saying, okay, this was mine, right? And that's when you can get into a lot of trouble. It's like, this was mine. You can get into trouble thinking, even if you have success giving, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, this was me. Yeah. And if you have failure, then it's like, it, it, you deflate yourself. So mm-hmm. that can happen either way. And we've just been talking about how my kind of going into your identity and your personality helps you find these gifts. So like, it's not so clear cut, like it is also helpful in ways. But then when we give like, you know, I think about any I think about a gift, if you're a really shitty giver, if you give someone a present, and then you require them to do something. Because we all, of that, Grandma, right? I remember you when you got me that sweater and I had to wear it every time you came. I can wear the sweater when I want, okay? That's not a gift. Wear, yeah. That's control. That's, That's manipulation, exactly. right? A gift ends at the boundary of you. And yeah. and then it takes on its own life. And you in giving, you let go of that and you you don't know what the future of that is. And so I think any good gift ends when you give it for you you yeah. no longer have claim on it and whatever they do with it after that is not your business mm-hmm. um and and is not in your control yeah but i think i think i'm um i feel the need to to say here that we're all talking about these ideas and these ideals that we're trying to live that doesn't mean that Right now, I don't catch myself like 99% of the time when I give something, thinking like, <laughs> I did that, I fucking did that. Yeah, Everyone, that please thank me. Just like, please. Please all <laughs> donate to the Far Out Podcast. There's a link on the website. I, I don't get any of this, so I can say it on the podcast. You can give and don't expect anything. No, yeah. but it's, it's, the, the ego, it's really interesting to notice how when you're giving gifts and you're trying to uphold these ideals of like, I'm going to give the gifts without expectations and, and just put it out there and let it be its own thing in the world. 99% of the time, my ego is just like, I did it. I fucking did it. You know, like putting on the sunglasses and being super smug. And, and I think that the enemy is not the ego. The enemy is not knowing that you're doing this. Is the not no awareness that you are totally. doing. Totally, I have my Kanye moments where yes. you know you're just like you know you put on Kanye and just like <laughs> feeling good about what you're doing. And so look at me, this is lewd thinking that he's all yes, exactly. It's nice to have compassion for that. It's like yeah, oh, it's look like at that. Yeah. Isn't that cute? I think if we're playful with that, and if we can laugh at it, that that's that's what's important. Right? Yeah, I totally. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is a good time to just, because I feel like we've touched on both, and I think this distinction has been helpful for me, um, is is recognizing that we're talking about kind of two different gifts in a way. We're mm-hmm. talking perhaps of one gift that is more about the soul, so the gift of understanding our strengths and our story and all the things that make us us mm-hmm. and learning how to how to give from that place or, or how to use those things in a creative way in the yeah. world. And I think that's one form of gift, right? Finding our inner gifts and things like that. And maybe 
maybe these aren't. Com- I think it's helpful, even if it's arbitrary, to think of these two uh, yeah. differently for a moment. And the other gift, and we haven't talked about this at all yet, but it, the other gift we have talked about, which is spirit, or like this thing that's coming through us, right? It's yeah. the muse. It's it's actually it, we're a channel for it. I feel like there's gifts with a capital G, and then gifts with. Uh, lowercase g yes like yeah. my gifts have a lowercase g and then whatever happens all the time is the gift right it's yeah. like it's kind of what's being happening like and i trace both back to source at some point right yeah. so yeah. like they're, they're they're not totally they come from the same place but and another gift we haven't mentioned which i think falls more in the spirit side for me is the gift of attention mm-hmm. the gift of our energy our awareness and how that is a gift every moment us three being here and really talking to each other looking each other in the eye giving ourselves our our presence is a major gift right and when we talked with kelly in the power of gathering we talked a lot about that i mean a lot of the power of those groups is that we are all giving each other our attention well think about your listeners on this podcast if you every week put a podcast out and looked at Oh, zero listeners this week, zero listeners this week, zero yeah. listeners this week. It'll be tough to get the motivation to keep giving this gift. If you're getting the gift of their attention in return, and I'm sure getting comments from people on Instagram saying yeah. how it's impacted them. Yeah, yeah. How that's that's the motivation, that's the inspiration. That's the same thing that I was feeling with Inside Timer when I was just giving. It's like, oh, people are attentive to this. I'm so grateful that they're attentive to this and yeah. that they're commenting. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like there's there's no it's tough to put a monetary value on what that does just to help us to stay inspired, to stay motivated, to keep going, to keep giving. And and they do try to like, so actually you, you and I, Lou, I know are reading the same book right now and it's called the gift. Uh, and I forget who it's by Lewis Hyde, Lewis Hyde. That's right. And there's a couple of, cause when you put a monetary value on the gift, he actually is, he actually kind of links that to usury. So like basically interest, mm. right. Uh, at least in its early forms is basically he, he talks a little bit about how in like the Old Testament, there's kind of rules around around loaning money and, and, and stuff. And so like in a community, you give and you cannot charge interest. But outside, you to a stranger, you might charge interest. And this is trying to capture the value of the gift. And one thing he illustrates earlier, which I think is very, very interesting, is how a gift that flows freely in a community gains value. Not only materially, he uses some examples that one that's coming to mind for me now is like Native Americans and like they, they might give a gift of blankets and the amount of blanket. And then that person would be expected to, to give. And each time the number of blankets gets larger and the, and the wealth gets passed on mm-hmm. and you do, and sooner or later it comes around as well. Although you don't know how that's going to happen and, and when it's going to happen or anything like that, it may be years or whatever, but this idea that uh, and, and the gift has other uh, other attributes to it, too. It creates community. It creates relationship. Because when you give, there is this kind of relationship that's created, right? You give something, and then uh, there's, uh, especially in some of the examples he uses, there is there is the kind of cultural expectation that it will be given, right? So you, you have a, a multifaceted relationship there. And you have this spirit that goes through the community as well. And so all in all these ways, the gift that circles actually increases talking about monetary value on it though there's i'm interested in in hearing your guys thoughts of when that is 
if we see the gifts of, let's say I wrote a book, the charge for the book, right? You do coaching, it's a charge for coaching. So where is this world of commerce within gift giving? And I don't think I've gotten to that point in the book yet. I think that's actually the next section that I'm starting. So I'd love to hear any of your thoughts on, on what that is. Yeah, I was actually just going to riff on that because I was thinking you, you said something about how you give the gift and then some people are expected to like build on the gift and add more of, add a gift of their own and then it kind of circulate. And I, I was thinking back to Amanda Palmer's book and thinking like, wow, that book was such a good, was such a gift that she gave to the world. And then I thought, well, I paid for that book. Does that make it less of a gift? And I don't think so. I think that the way that she channeled what she had to say, her experiences, the way that she shared it makes it still a gift. And that the price I pay is is just a small amount compared to like how invaluable it is what she did. And there is no amount of money that could cover that, like that could kind of do the reciprocity of what she did. Because the way you have to be, partaking in the reciprocity here is not by saying, hey, thank you for what you did. I'm going to give you X amount of money or I'm going to do X amount of things for you. The reciprocity is by saying, thank you for the gift. I am now in charge of bringing my own gifts into the world and I'm going to pass it on to someone else. I think there's something else here, which is gratitude, mm. right? Like, and he actually talks about this in the book as well as, for example, if you uh, he's using an example, I think it's like Greek or Egyptian or something. Um, some guys. Yeah, some guys far away in a different land from a different time. <laughs> Which makes this, uh, you know, helps flush out this idea. <laughs> uh, but he talks about how it would be expected if you were to give to a neighbor who asked for like a bushel of grain, right? Mm. There is value in that grain. And there is this understanding that that grain will will beget more grain than right. So there's this like kind of natural growth that does happen. Yeah. Right. Like grain, you you plant the grain and you have more grain than the bushel of grain you were given. Yeah. And so in that way, there was it was kind of understood and expected that next year when you got the grain back and and you and you were to give it back to him, right? Because it was this was like an interest free loan kind yeah. of thing. Um, although there was it was not outrightly expected you'd pay it back but yeah. that, that was the way but it, then another way it was you would give back the bushel plus a usury for, for a usage a recognition a, a gratitude yeah. you, you would give back with gratitude for because it grew mm. um and so i think this is another thing that the, that gratitude is connected to this idea of the gift and the way you can kind of sometimes maybe the way you reciprocate is with gratitude right just a note on on books here, because I think it might be valuable to people as it was valuable to me. But thinking of books specifically, because people put years of their energy into something and they sell it at $15, $20. And I remember hearing Ryan Holiday. I would follow, I followed him for, for years. And he always, he writes this really great book review every month of the books he's read. And at the end, he talks about how when he was very when he was younger, he said, I'll never let money come between me and buying a book. So whenever someone recommends a book, if I'm, there's any interest in it, I just buy it, even if I'm maybe I'm not going to read it right away. And I've loved that philosophy because you think about it, you you get 20 bucks and it could change your life. Like, mm. what is that worth? And at the, the end of like how much say you buy a thousand dollars worth of books, 
what could come of that? So with books specifically, like for me, I've tried to take that philosophy of like, Hey, I'm interested in that book. Like there's, there's, it's intangible, the value that I could get out of it. And so seeing that specifically with books, but I think there's a lot of places in our life where that are calling more to us of, of where is it just, it's just so easy to, to, to pay for something because what I get from it is, is, is 10 X or has the potential to be 10 X. Something else that I just wanted to respond to what you were saying, Alster. I think this everything that you said made me think of the book Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. I think that's her name. And um, she talks a lot about gift economy and gift giving and the relationship to the land and how the land is giving to us. And then we are in, in return responsible for the land and that it's this is the the reciprocity and i just noticed something in i think in the way that we've been raised and in me and in just the way we think about gifts and commerce and exchange these days is we want to cut the ties as fast as possible it's like I buy something from you, I'm no longer accountable. Like we've done the exchange and it's, I don't have any responsibility to, to, you know, like. You want to codify it. Yeah. And, and I think it's hearing you talk about the grain and the sack of grain, and then you're kind of expected to give another one back. And I was like, well, that sucks. You know, I'd rather the exchange to be cut and dry. You know, it's like, you give me the grain, I give you this, and then we're, we know it's over. But. Well, in that case, he doesn't have anything to give, right? It's actually a loan. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's just it, it it's interesting to to realize that this is the way that community dissolves. It's by not feeling like there's a sense of responsibility or uh yeah, responsibility is a good word because this is also what's happening with the land. We have no relationship with the land because we take from it and then we think that we can give these like paper bills printed and that it's an exchange for what the value is and it's not like when there's gift there's always a responsibility which is part of what I hate about it because I find that I don't know what's the limits like how much do I have to give back and I think this links back to boundaries yeah and actually before you go there though something that a light bulb just went off that I think is worth mentioning is you don't want to accept every gift Right. There's certain gifts you don't want to sure, accept. And yeah. so there because there is a relationship that is created when a gift is given. Right. And so there it is also important to be mindful of the gifts we accept, because if if we don't want to be in relationship with someone, that's a dangerous gift. Right. True. And sell your soul. To the devil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an example that's used in the book, actually, uh, that, that we keep referencing the gift is um For example, if you're trying to to live an independent life from over-controlling parents, you would not want to accept a gift of money from them yeah. because that would potentially link you and it would make it harder to live in an independent way. And I think we all have moments where we understand that, where we, where we, won't, we won't want to accept something from somebody because yeah. we know that it's going to link us in a way that could be detrimental yeah or it could be tough yeah and it's it's such an interesting topic i feel like we could talk about that particular flavor of it for hours because i remember when i was 18 my goal in life was to find a way to not have my parents pay for anything and since i've been 18 my parents haven't paid for anything like and that's just and it's not because i hate my parents and it's not because they're over controlling bastards it's just i felt like 
it was imposing a way that I should behave. And I felt like, no, I need to, I need to be free in this time in my life to make the decisions I need to make. But then it's an interesting thing of like, how do I navigate being in relationship and giving gifts and the reciprocity and the responsibilities that it implies when, when it can feel so scary to engage in relationships sometimes. But I, I do have to give your mom a tip of the cap because she paid for the crates of champagne for our wedding. She did indeed. So, she did indeed. And that was delicious. Thank you, mom, mom and dad. Mom and dad. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Don't <Okay>. forget. <laughs> All right. I think so you're talking about boundary and I, I agree that you can't have a conversation about gifts without getting into boundary at some point because – we're talking about the spirit of the gift and the way that gift increases and all the kind of relationships it creates and all these different things. But it's, it's not that simple. And this is why there are those two, those two kind of rules in the old Testament about how you give to strangers, which is a usury or a tax or, or an interest payment, right? They're basically trying to codify the value of the growth of the gift up front, yeah. right? So that they don't have to have a relationship with that person mm-hmm. or with that community yeah. or because they don't know if it will come back or because that person lives by a different God, right? Yeah. All these reasons. And that makes sense to me. And then there is the uh, gift that circulates freely inside a community. And there it would be taboo to charge that it would, because you would be cutting off connection. Mm-hmm. And this is this is spiritually against the the values and 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 I think this gets to the point of like, we can only give in certain boundaries, right? Because if there is no boundary, we will give ourselves away. And yeah. that is not healthy. There is some necessity of self-preservation here, unless you're going to go the route of the monk with the begging bowl, right? Yeah. And like, and that's a spiritual path. And, and uh, it makes a lot of sense to me in certain ways. And if you intentionally choose to that, choose to do that, you are basically saying, I see the entire the entire world, all humanity as part of one big community. Mm-hmm. Massive, massively powerful gesture, yeah. right? But for most of us, it's not where we're at right now. And that does mean we have to be aware of the boundaries because if we're giving outside of a boundary where there, where it's not circulating or where it's not passing, we're someone, because that's another problem, right? Is you give a, if, if you're doing the spirit of the gift in the community and someone's hoarding the gift, it's all collecting in one place, right? And you can think about like a, a pool uh, in kind of a, a maybe a lake, right? And yeah. the lake circulates from the wind or whatever. And maybe there's like a, a little pool off in one side and the water collects there. Yeah. And you have all this kind of poisonous algae and like things get really murky there. Yeah. Well, something similar happens in a community where someone is hoarding the gift, right? And especially, and then what kind of sentiment happens? What kind of bad will happens if that person uses that for gain, right? Because now, now like the gift redistributes wealth. The gift kind of puts everyone on an equal playing field. And this often happened, we see in, in Native American examples of potlatch, and giving is that you actually the way you would get status in in a lot of uh, older cultures and a lot of older traditions was by giving your wealth away and it's funny to notice that in america and most of the west you gain status by accumulating which is the exact opposite of how it's been for many communities for for you know going back in time this was exactly what they were trying to trying to avoid and so actually it is the native american often who gives away his wealth, that is how you gain status. And so coming back to this idea of boundaries, if if the gift is not flowing within a community, 
it can do damage, right? And, it, and you can also end up just kind of giving yourself away. And we all know how that feels. And that's also not healthy. So Alistair, I love your exploration of all that. But as I'm hearing that, I'm wondering, well, as me sitting in my car right now, what is my community that I'm giving gifts to? Like, mm. What am I trying to circle in my community? Doesn't do it. Where's that? Where's that sense of the practicality of that? I've always felt this when I hear stories about really old times. It's like, well, how does this apply to my life right now? Like that makes sense, but how can I bring this here? And mm. I think what I'm hearing, what resonates with me, is that sometimes we give our gifts and we we're giving them. To, to the people that aren't ready to receive them, or we're giving them to a community that doesn't that doesn't want them in a sense. And that could be really discouraging. And I can think of myself when I started to do share videos on Facebook or started to just come out into the world sharing a little bit what I'm doing or sharing meditations with people. And I'd share them to you know social media, which is just the group of my friends that were the past couple of years. And people weren't really listening to them. They weren't really engaged with them. They didn't want to receive them. It wasn't the right community, right? There was it was the wrong boundary. And by giving it outside of that boundary, it was actually hurting my. It was discouraging me. Yeah. Once I found Insight Timer, which is like my people, this is my community, and I started giving gifts there and saying, "Oh wow, this is where the gift is supposed to be." So I think that helps in understanding. Well, also when I'm starting out on this journey, let's say if you're whatever you're looking to do when you start out, sometimes you'll have to find your people that are ready to receive it or, or are, are meant to receive it. And that can be, that can be difficult to, to find that community. I think that asks a great question. It's just the question is, who is your community? When it, we live in a realm that is so connected and community just doesn't mean anything anymore. That's kind of a buzzword that I feel gets thrown around a lot. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, it's like, are you talking about your neighborhood? Are you talking about your church congregation? Are you talking about your friends from high school? Like, who the fuck is your community? And it's really hard. Yeah. And maybe one way to look at it is where does the gift flow? Right. Where does the gift circulate? Yeah. That's a community, right? Yeah. And and I think I, I really like what you just said, Lou. And and there's something you said yesterday that I've been thinking about too that I think is on this topic. If we think about boundary, at least I when I think about boundary, I almost think about like a circle. And then like it's like physical boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. And you said something uh, yesterday when we were kind of discussing some of these ideas around like who you give to. And you said it, I, I, I'm going to try to put it in your words. It's like, it's who I feel is doing the Lord's work. That's, that's the way you <laughs> I use this terminology. Lord, but I, I accepted like, it. I was like, yeah, bye, bye. All right, we'll do the Lord's work. God's like, work. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, the universe's work or, or however you want to put is That person's you know, you're doing work that is in line with a gift, right? They're sharing their gift or mm. they're giving a gift to the world by, wow, this is so needed work. And I can feel like the spirit within them. Yeah. Yes, that's great. I think that's great. And I think it also comes down to like, maybe perhaps for me, I, it's like people who have similar values, right? Like as, as well that are, are, like you said, doing the same thing. And I think this is also a community, right? And that's, it's a hard community to imagine. But when you see people that are doing that kind of thing, for example, Lou, you're one of those people in my life, like that's someone I'm willing to give, give to mm. because that's a community as well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think 
maybe as a way to wrap up this conversation that I feel went in so many different places. I have... That's what happens when you have two people of extroverted intuition on the show. <laughs> oh, well, inside joke, inside joke. But yeah, the t- typology joke. Um, that makes us nerds. That does. I, I think I really like the idea of boundaries. And this is something I've been working on for like a, f- a few years now. I think maybe all of us, I don't know, I can only speak for myself and I get the sense that this is something that happens more with uh, little, like children that are raised as women, like little girls, is I was taught that there is no limit to how much I should give. And this goes back to the caring and the responsibility. It's just, I need to feel for other people. I need to take, like everyone is under my care. And it's kind of like the the unhealthy mother kind of archetype. And um this is something I'm actively trying to work on because I can see that this is not helping anyone and this is really not helping me to be giving that way and kind of leaking out. And and then that leads to burnout. And the, the thing is, I'm in it for the long game. I want to have consistent, I want to be able to give consistently throughout my life without being depleted. And I think this is the best way to give. I think we give, we don't give the right things when we're depleted and, and burnt out. And so last summer after we, we uh, did the Yosemite retreat with Ripple Out Retreats, you bought us stickers, Alistair, stickers for our computer uh, by Gaping gaping Void. And uh, we got to choose which one we wanted. And one of them said, the minute you learn how to give is the minute you become successful. And I, I read this and I knew this sticker was for me because for me, what that meant was the minute I learned to have boundary is the minute I learn how to give and is the minute I become successful because I can't give without my boundaries because I've tried and it's it's wrong. It doesn't work. It just can't be done. But on the other side of it, I think, is also learning to give is also effacing some of those boundaries, right? Or creating bigger ones too. And so in another way, it's also this 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 path of giving is a spiritual path. Yeah, I think it's an act of balance. I think we all have different work to do, right? I think for some of us, giving might not be the most natural thing and we have to expand our boundaries. And for some of us, giving is our natural state of being and we've had very, very loose boundaries and we have to do the opposite. I think it's about knowing where we fall on that spectrum and working along with that. I know how to receive too, which is a no. We can go down. Right. Yeah. No. So much. Are you available tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) No. We'll we'll have we'll have you on the show again. That that was great. That was great. Yeah. Well, um, I think as a way to wrap up, I'd like to ask Lou to tell us where you can where we can find you on the interweb and all these things where people actually live. Well, I first actually thought I think that you have a way that is kind of new where people can give to you on a monthly basis. Is that right? That is, wanna, that is true. That is that's true. true. You're actually one of those people. I'm one of those yes, people. You're a patron. You that's My, very, very beautiful. He, he is. I'm not yes. in the Toodles Club, though. You're not no. in the Toodles Club. Toodles Tribe. I know it's the Tribe, but I like the Toodles Club. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to make us change it. Uh, yes, yes. The, so there's a way that you can give and support this podcast if you feel called to do it uh you can visit patreon.com slash the far out couple we post um we create like exclusive content it's really monthly. good content i was like 
you know, I was surprised at how good it was. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice I, remember, to hear. I was like, oh, wow, this is a really cool PDF that I, I get. And it has like some really interesting things that I didn't even know that they did. So, and I'm one of the closest people to them. So I feel for anyone uh, that could be really valuable. We try to give value and you Thank can, you. you can support us at the, at the lowest level is $3 a month. Yeah. I think. That's... Yeah. And if you, but if you want to be in the Toodles tribe, that is a little bit of a higher, a little higher price. Tag. Yes, but we meet quarterly. We with do. The we do. So and there's other people say. in it. You get to meet them too. Yeah. Should be fun. That would be awesome. Anyway, so if you'd like to get in relationship with Lou, maybe yes. like receive a few things from him, maybe give him a few <laughs> things, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, where can people find you? I would say the best place is louredmond.com. I have a, an email list that I love to engage with. Uh, so I'd love for people to sign up and I send meditations. He and sends a really post, cool emails. Uh, a couple times a month. And then if you have the Insight Timer app or download the Insight Timer app and just search my name on there and you'll find tons of free meditations. You'll find a course on how to stop caring what other people think, which uh, talks about a lot of the stuff that we talked about today, comparison, imposter syndrome, jealousy. Uh, so that could be interesting. And... And if you want to see Lou in person, he's going to be leading our retreats this year yes. uh, with Ripple Out Retreats. So yes. we're going to be doing one in Yosemite. That one's filling up pretty quickly. We're doing one in France and Spain in September. And we're doing, uh, we just announced one in Guatemala for the, for the new year. Mm-hmm. Those are going to be at rippleoutretreats.com. You can find more information there. Yeah, and everything that has been mentioned today, every link, everything will be at thefaroutpodcast.com for the show notes, as always. Highly recommend you subscribe to Lou's email list. I love his emails. They are always a good source of inspiration when I feel the need for a little boost. And one last plug. I want to get a little bit more active on Insta, on IG. On know, IG? All the kids are on it, you I know? Well, I, don't know. I don't know if there are kids anymore. Yeah, I think all the, like, 20-somethings, <laughs> the elderly 20-year-olds. Yeah, I don't have a Snapchat, so maybe that or, yeah, that, or a TikTok. Yeah. TikTok. Yeah. Is a, yeah, so uh, hit, yeah. Yeah, find me on Instagram, and um, hopefully we'll engage it's more than I do. At um, Lou Redmond, and then underscore. Underscore. Right? I didn't get there. I'm an idiot. Yeah. I, took, I took a stupid original name. I was really arrogant in my original journey. <laughs> my Instagram handle was Lou speaks truth and, uh, and, and, I, and I could have had Lou Redmond back then but I digress we were getting so far out of needing to wrap this up yes <laughs> all right all right all right <laughs>
that. Yeah, and that's a way you can give to someone else and maybe start creating a relationship there, you know, mm-hmm. and see where that goes. So that'll be fun. And two, uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Please, 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 please. please, please. please. We'll read it on the podcast. We always uh, love reading re- your reviews. It's a lot of joy. All right. Well, I think that's it. Yeah, see you next time. Toodles. 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 Yeah.